So as Gideon said, it is Joshua chapter 4, verses 19 to 24. On the tenth day of the first month, the people went up from the Jordan and camped at Gilgal on the eastern border of Jericho. And Joshua set up at Gilgal the twelve stones that they had taken out of the Jordan. He said to the Israelites, In the future, when your descendants ask their parents, What do these stones mean? Tell them, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you, before you until you had crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan what he had done to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us until we had crossed over. He did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that you might always fear the Lord your God. So Psalm 114 on the screen or on page 615. When Israel came out of Egypt, Jacob from a people of foreign tongue, Judah became God's sanctuary, Israel his dominion. The sea looked and fled, the Jordan turned back, the mountains leaped like rams, the hills like lambs. Why was it, sea, that you fled? Why, Jordan, did you turn back? Why, mountains, did you leap like rams? You hills like lambs. Tremble, earth, at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the God of Jacob, who turned the rock into a pool, the hard rock into springs of water. It's good to be with you. And just to start with an apology, you may notice I'm missing a tooth at the moment. So don't worry about that. I haven't had a fight on the way in. It was a fake tooth that's fallen out and needs a bit of uh, dental care. But please don't worry. I'm perfectly fine. No, uh, no pain. So uh, apologies for that anyway. But let's, let's pray as we start. Father, thank you for this psalm that you have given us through your servant here who's written it. We thank you uh, for what it teaches us about you and what it means to follow you. Help us to, uh, to listen well, to be obedient. Help me to explain it faithfully. Amen. Have any of you built sandcastles this summer? Maybe you're planning to in the days that remain of the summer holidays. No matter how impressive a structure you build, you know it won't last. You can't stem the tide. The sea will wash up the beach and flatten your handiwork. In fact, this particular sandcastle looks like its days are numbered, doesn't it? You can see the tide encroaching in that picture. We can't stop the sea. Even the strongest dam would eventually wear down if it's not repaired. And yet, what do we see in Psalm 114? The sea is not simply stopped, it looked and fled. This is some power on show. 
It is God's power. And the psalmist wants us to say, wow, as we read. Well, last week I know that you looked at Psalm 113. And there we see that God's servants are to praise him because he's glorious and he provides for them. Psalm 114 this evening has just one command, tremble. We see that in verse 7. But as we read it, we're bombarded by God's mighty works in that psalm. It's a psalm that calls us to sit up and take notice. It's a sense of celebration and awe as we read it. The psalm highlights some key things that God has done in the history of his people. Such as leading them out of Egypt in the Exodus. It may well have been written some time after those events. But they remained hugely significant for God's people then. The psalm's original readers to look back on. And if we're Christians today... We can look back on even greater things that God has done. We're in an incredibly blessed position, and this psalm helps us to see why. And I've got three questions to help us consider its message. Do you live as if God is present? Do you live as if God is powerful? And do you tremble before him? So the first question, do you live as if God is present? Have a look again at verses 1 and 2, how the psalm begins. When Israel came out of Egypt, Jacob from a people of foreign tongue, Judah became God's sanctuary, Israel his dominion. So firstly, in verse 1, the psalmist shows us that God is present in redeeming his people. God isn't mentioned in verse 1. In fact, in the original language, he's not mentioned in verse 2 either. It literally reads, Judah became his sanctuary. God's role in these events was so clear, so obvious to the psalmist, that he didn't need to explain who the his referred to was. The Lord is also mentioned seven times in Psalm 113, so that adds to the emphasis that we have in Psalm 114. God's people knew that they had not come out of Egypt simply because they chose to. They hadn't just decided to move house because they wanted a bigger place to stay. We can read in the early chapters of Exodus how God's people, the Israelites, were enslaved in Egypt, it took ten different plagues that God sent on the Egyptians before Pharaoh would finally let God's people go. God redeemed Israel from slavery. He brought them out of Egypt. He was present among his suffering people. He was present then and he remains so today. God called Jacob out from a people of foreign tongue. Jacob was another name to describe God's people. He spoke to them in a language they understood. God was calling them to be his people and promising 
to be their God. The redemption that God provided in the Exodus from Egypt is also a picture of the redemption he provides in Jesus. Indeed, when Moses, who was Israel's leader in the Exodus, talks with Elijah and Jesus on the transfiguration on that mountain, Luke tells us this, that they were speaking about Jesus' departure, literally his exodus, which he was about to bring to fulfillment in Jerusalem. Jesus was bringing in a new exodus. Verse 2 of our psalm also highlights that God remains present among his people. God didn't bring Israel out of Egypt and then uh, withdrew from his people. Verse 2 says that Judah became God's sanctuary, Israel his dominion. So although God's people split later into the kingdoms of Israel and Judah, the two names were also used interchangeably. I think that's what's happening here. It's talking about the same people. God's sanctuary and God's dominion. God's sanctuary was literally his holy place. He came and dwelt among his people. Firstly in a tent called the tabernacle and then in a temple when it was built. Judah was the place where God made his home. He wasn't confined to the temple. but This was the place his presence dwelt with his people on earth. What a blessing that was to have God in their midst. Dominion means a place of rule, a seat of power, if you like. So we can sum up verse 2 by saying that Israel was the holy place where God ruled. That's how present he was among his people. God ruled the earth then and still does today. But we could say at this point that Israel was God's HQ or his throne. The psalmist could rejoice that God was present among his people. But if we're following Jesus today, we have even more to celebrate. God is now present with us through his Holy Spirit. Each Christian has become God's sanctuary or holy place. Listen to how Paul describes us in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. He put his spirit in our hearts, Paul says. Now, about a month ago... My wife and I got to look after Jed, this dog on the screen, who you might have called our dog-in-law. He belongs to a cat sister and family. Now, Jed is really good company, but one thing he loves to do is carry your shoes to other parts of the house or even the garden. You may not find Jed there, but a discarded shoe is a clear indication that he's been just like that one that we found in our bedroom. The psalmist here wants to remind God's people that they had far greater signs of his presence in redeeming them and living among them. If you're a Christian, do you live 
as if God is present in your life? Do you take that for granted? He's not just present in sending Jesus. He's present with his people by his spirit. If you're not yet a believer, do you see that God promises you his presence? It's not about us trying to search God out. Well, our first question has been, do you live as if God is present? And our second is, do you live as if God is powerful? You see, in verses 3 to 6, the psalmist highlights three times God used his power for the sake of his people. I'm going to read those verses again. The sea looked and fled. The Jordan turned back. The mountains leaped like rams, the hills like lambs. Why was it sea that you fled? Why, Jordan, did you turn back? Why, mountains, did you leap like, like rams, you hills like lambs? Now, these events may have happened hundreds of years before the psalm was written. But the psalmist includes them as evidence that God remains faithful. In verse 7, the earth is to tremble in the present, just as God caused different parts of his creation to flee, to turn back and leap in the past. Verse 3 tells us that the sea looked and fled. This refers to the Exodus, when God led his people out of Egypt and he caused the Red Sea to part so that his people could go through on the seabed. And then God brought the waters back over the Egyptians who were pursuing them. You can read all about that in Exodus 13 and 14. And next up we get the mention of the River Jordan turning back. This comes in Joshua chapter 3 and 4. God turned back the flood waters so that his people could cross over and go into the promised land. Now earlier in our service we had a reading, didn't we, from Joshua chapter 4. And that reading showed us how the crossing of the Red Sea and the crossing of the Jordan were linked. Here's what we read in Joshua chapter 4 verse 23. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan as he had done to the Red Sea, when he dried it up before us until we had crossed over. Those two great saving events linked together. And thirdly, the mountains leaping like rams and the hills like lambs, well, that seems to refer to the earthquake that occurred on Mount Sinai when God was giving the Ten Commandments. We read in Exodus chapter 19, verse 18, this. Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire. The smoke billowed up from it like smoke from a furnace and the whole mountain trembled violently. These were massive events in Israel history as God showed his power among them. The Psalms' original is were to know that God remained just as powerful in their time as he was back then. And we need to know that today too. God's power hasn't waned since then at all. 
And the language of those verses makes God's power stand out even more. Did you get that as we read it? The Red Sea, a massive body of water, is pictured like some sort of scared animal that when confronted with God's power, it, it scarpered, didn't it? It's clear that the chapters in Joshua, from the chapters in Joshua that God turned back the River Jordan. But here it's pictured as retreating before God's power. Such is the power of God here. And likewise, God's power is such that the mighty mountains became like small animals when he acts on them. You see, the questions that follow in verses 5 and 6 are not directly answered in the psalm. But they're basically rhetorical. That is, the answer is obvious. All these dramatic events happen because God is powerful. God did it. Did them. The imagery of verses 3 and 4 is so vivid and it shows us God's absolute power. And as the psalmist asks these questions, it's almost as if the Red Sea, the Jordan and the mountains are telling him, you don't really need to ask us, do you? God's power is obvious. As God acted powerfully, he was saving and forming a people for himself. And his power is still at work today. But do we live acknowledging this to be true? If you're a Christian today, God has acted powerfully in your life, bringing you to trust in him. He's opened your eyes and your heart to his truth. In such a way you've been made alive in Christ. That's how Ephesians 2 describes becoming a Christian, going from death to life. God can and does do miracles today. That's not to say we should always expect him to, but we should trust that he's able to. He didn't always act miraculously in the Old Testament, but God's people were reminded of his power. Always reminded of it, in fact. Indeed, because God has acted powerfully, we can trust that God will act powerfully. So we read in Revelation 21, right at the end of the Bible, of the new heaven and new earth that God will make. This new creation in which his people will enjoy his presence will be a majestic display of his power. Today, as you read Psalm 114, let's enjoy this exhilarating description of God's power we have in front of us. Now, I'm a big sports fan, and it's only when you get to watch sport live that you can appreciate the, the strength and power of the athletes you've seen on TV. I remember the first time I went to watch a professional tennis match, I was taken aback by how hard the players hit the ball, even in the warm-up, the low men are actually playing the match. Before that, I probably thought that my own power game was somehow quite similar, but I was clearly shown that you know, I couldn't hit the ball hard at all compared to these people. Their power was so much greater than mine. Well, do you live as if God is powerful? So much more powerful than we can imagine. Or do you underestimate him? I think we all need a psalm like this one to get, set our 
thought straight. We might, what might it look like to live as someone acknowledging God's power? Will you pray expectantly that non-Christian friends or family will come to faith in Jesus? Will you ask God to change the heart of that overbearing colleague you find hard to get on with at work? Will you trust in the powerful God of Psalm 114? Well, so far, this psalm has prompted us to ask, do you live as if God is present? Or do you live as if God is powerful? Our final question is, do you tremble before him? And that comes verses 7 to 8. Tremble earth at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the God of Israel, who turned the rock into a pool, the hard rock into springs of water. Because the answer to the questions of verses 5 and 6 is, God did it, the psalm offers only one response. Tremble. That's the only command we get in the whole psalm, isn't it? The psalmist issues this command to the earth. So the first application, I think, is for God's creation that we see in verses 3 to 6, to tremble again at his presence, his power. However, since the psalm is written for God's people to sing to him, they must surely also be intended with this command to tremble. You see, God's people are part of the earth, aren't they? We can take our cue from a place like Psalm 98. It says this, Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Burst into, joy, into jubilant song with music. Make music to the Lord with the harp, with the sound of the harp and the sound of singing. With trumpets and the blast of the ram's horn. Shout for joy before the Lord, the King. We are to be like the earth, trembling before God. These verses remind us that God is both universal and personal. The earth should tremble before him because he is the God of Jacob. He's revealed himself to his people. And he continues to have relationship with them, with us today if we're trusting in him. The psalm closes in verse 8 with another reminder of God's power. Here we have no longer the question uh, getting us to consider why these things have happened. We're simply told that God did it. Twice God told Moses to strike rocks and water came out of them. It's truly amazing power in action. We can read about those events in Exodus 17 and Numbers 20. If what the psalmist tells us about God is true, and I'm convinced it is, then we can only respond in the way that the earth is commanded to, isn't it? This trembling is not simply a posture of fear, but a joyful bowing our heads to our present and powerful God. We need to humbly recognise God's power and rejoice in his presence with us. He is our creator and we owe him everything. The Bible tells us that we have turned our backs on him, just as Israel did repeatedly even as God carried out the miraculous events of verses 3 and 4. Our sin means that we cannot earn our way into God's presence. 
And in fact, we would face his full judgment if we tried. But in Jesus, he graciously provides a way back, a way into God's presence. Now, we're fortunate in the UK that earthquakes don't really pose us any danger. But if we lived in countries where those, uh, those fault lines were nearby, we'd probably see plenty of signs like this around. Earthquakes can cause great destruction. So we're right to seek protection from them, to tremble before them, if you like. And yet, in Psalm 114, the earth, with all the power it contains, that power that can cause earthquakes, well, the earth is called to tremble before the Lord God. That's how powerful God is. In light of who God is, that's the only response available to tremble before him. So what does it mean for us to tremble before our God? We need to realise how powerful he is. We should be in awe of him. But if we're followers of Jesus, God is not someone we are to flee from like the Red Sea or the Jordan did in this psalm. We can celebrate his presence with us through his spirit. We can worship God as we gather this evening and as we head into a new week. So Psalm 114 grabs our attention, doesn't it, with all this vivid imagery. We're bombarded by the truth that God is present and powerful. But do we know those truths for ourselves? As we've worked our way through the psalm, we've considered three questions which challenge us. It's not enough to say these are nice words for God's people back in the day. How are these words for Christians today? God is present among believers by his spirit. He continues to work powerfully in bringing people to trust in him. And he's able to do miracles. So do you live as if God is present? Do you live as if God is powerful? Do you tremble before him? I'm just going to finish with a prayer. Father God, thank you that you are present and powerful still today as you were back then. Help us to live lives which tremble before you, realising how awesome it is to be admitted to your presence through your son Jesus. Amen.